Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that a great song? Isn't that a great verse? Thank you, Sharon, uh, for sharing what you did, for leading us in music unchained. We appreciate it. Uh, Choir, for 14 people, they did a good job, did they not? I would encourage some of you to, now that the summer's sort of coming to an end, to come and join us on Join Them. I'm not doing it anymore. On Thursday nights at 6 o'clock. I think it's going to be a, a great opportunity to worship God. And let's keep on praying for people. I know this week, on Monday, somebody called me and told me they had COVID. On Tuesday, the same thing. On Wednesday, the same thing. I know Kathy Moore had COVID, so Eric was knocked out this week. We, we, um, we have a lot of, a lot of COVID going around. Fortunately, the cases aren't bad, and uh, people are staying away when they need to stay away. But we need to keep on praying for that, uh, for our country. Uh, we, we live in perilous times, do we not? When you look at the Bible, it talks about these times. And we, we are fortunate that we can trust God. God is still sovereign, is he not? Well, last couple of weeks we've talked about humility, faith, and diligence. Humility, we need to recognize our inadequacy. How many of you have your act totally together? Anybody in here have your act? I see that hand. I think your wife would disagree, but... None of us have it totally together, do we? Uh, we? We all have our our weaknesses. We have our shortcomings. And we need to exercise humility. The good news is this, that when we exercise humility, God exalts us. We need to recognize our inadequacy. Number two, we need to exercise faith. Rely on God because even when we're weak, God can work in us and through us in a significant way. He can change us and he can use us to accomplish his purposes. And, and then uh, third is, is diligence. It's a matter of resolving to make a difference. Can't God make a difference in our lives and through our lives for his honor and glory? It takes three things, though. Number one, it takes prayer. We need to spend much time in prayer because prayer is an expression of our confidence in God. Does that make sense? If we think we can do it, we don't need to pray. We just need to go do it. But if we recognize our inadequacy and are trusting God, then we need to be diligent to pray. Also diligent to study God's Word. God's Word is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It makes all the difference in the world as we spend time in Scripture. And we should study to show ourselves approved to God. But we also need to be diligent in the area of service. Paul in Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 13 talked about loving one another. And he said this, through love, serve one another. That's our responsibility, to serve. Sometimes we, we're not as involved as we ought to be. We, we have the disease of spectatoritis. I don't know if that's a word or not, but, but it sounds good to me. It basically is being spectators instead of being involved in ministry. As I look around, there are a lot of you that are very involved in ministry, but there's some that I primarily see you on a Sunday morning at 10.30 until about 11.30 or so. And we need to be involved in ministry. Now, I know that some are involved in other ways and other places, but all of us are part of the body of Christ, and we should be involved in service. If we don't, 
there's a problem. And that problem is reflected in Acts chapter 6. If you'll take your Bibles and turn there, Acts chapter 6. Familiar portion of Scripture. Acts chapter 6, the church is growing. And it says in verse number 1, Now in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. In other words, the church was growing. Some had needs. They had come to Jerusalem to worship, and they stuck around because of Christianity, and some of them did not have much food, and some were being neglected. So there was some murmuring that was taking place. That was the problem, that needs were not being met, and there was some murmuring. The good news is that there's a solution to the problem. In fact, in verses 2 and following, we have the plan. In verse 2, the 12 summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. The problem was the needs weren't being met. The problem was that the apostles were spending so much time waiting on tables that they were not able to concentrate on what was most important. So the plan was twofold. Number one, to prioritize. The, the disciples recognized, the twelve recognized that they should not leave the word of God and serve tables. Instead, they should give themselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. So they decided to prioritize. But in order to prioritize, they also needed to delegate. That's part number two of the plan. Uh, they said, therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. That was probably the prototype of the first deacons. These were men that were willing to serve. They were willing to meet the needs of other people in order for the disciples to give attention to the priorities in order for the apostles to, to give themselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. So the apostles were prioritizing prayer, ministry of the word, and big picture leadership. And the people were serving. The prototype of the deacons were serving. That was the plan. The people are noted in verses 5 and 6. It says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles, and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. They chose seven men to help take care of this situation, this need of making sure that the Hellenist widows were being taken care of. If you notice, probably a couple of these, these uh, names are familiar. Stephen talks about him in the latter part of chapter 6 of Acts as well as Acts chapter 7. Uh, he was an individual who not only was a servant, but he was a good communicator. And uh, he, in, verse, in chapter 7, he was martyred because the people did not like what he had to say. In fact, he was, he was one of the first people that were canceled, so to speak, uh, because he was speaking in, in a way that was, was not politically correct. And then Philip. He became an, an evangelist. He served in, uh, in, a, in a special way in Samaria and then the Ethiopian eunuch and so on. Uh, so we see these individuals that God used in a significant way. 
They were set before the apostles. They prayed. They laid their hands on them. But I really believe that as we look at this portion of Scripture, we need to recognize that not only deacons serve. Now, these were probably the prototype of deacons. These were individuals that were servants of the church. And later on, we're going to be talking about the qualifications for deacons and so on. But really, in in God's kingdom, in, in God's church, all of us are supposed to be involved in ministry. Each and every one of us have been given a spiritual gift. Each and every one of us are part of the body of Christ and all of the parts of the body need to work. Romans chapter 12 talks about that. The fact that that we're all part of the body of Christ. We're members of the body and we need to be utilizing our gifts in order to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish as a body. The point is this, that, that if the arms uh, decided, hey, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm not going to serve anymore. Then that body is limited. That body is disabled because parts of the body are deciding that they're not going to serve. Uh, we need to recognize that that deacons as well as all Christians need to be involved in service in ministry. So the problem was that the Grecian widows were being neglected in the distribution of food. The plan was to prioritize and to delegate. The people, the deacons here were the ones that were chosen, but the reality is that in the church, all of us need to be involved in service. The purpose, look at verse number 6 and 7, or verse number 7. Then the word of God spread, the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. In other words, God started to work in a significant way When the people of God, the apostles, the leadership, recognized the problem, they came up with a plan to prioritize and to delegate. They chose the people, and then what happened is God started working in a significant way. Don't you think God wants to work in a significant way today as well? Is is he pleased with, with us not accomplishing his purposes for us, which are discipleship and evangelism? Notice verse number 7 that the word of God grew. And the reason was because there was a focus on God's word. God's word was, te- was taught. And people learned the word of God and shared it with others. Two verses. One is, is um, the previous screen, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2. It says, Paul talking to Timothy, the things that you learned from me among many witnesses, the same commit to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. In other words, Paul was saying, I'm going to teach you, you're going to teach others, they're going to teach others, and a lot of people are going to be taught. That's discipleship. And Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. So as we follow him, as we learn his word, as we see him in action, so to speak, he makes us to become fishers of men, which leads to the second purpose. Not only discipleship, but also evangelism. Again, verse number 7, the word of God spread. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. Individuals who probably would normally be hard to reach were being reached for the gospel because of what was taking place in Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7. You know, as as we look at this portion of Scripture, we're pretty familiar with it. Uh, we recognize that there was a problem that they needed to focus on the word and on prayer and big picture leadership and the people who were chosen and as a result, God blessed in a real special way. Isn't that still true today? When, when we think about churches, when we think about 
when we think about God's work on earth, is it not true these same principles? And there are some principles that we need to consider at this time before we partake in the Lord's Supper toward the end of the service. As we serve, and and all of us need to be serving, number one, we need to serve with compassion. Think about it for just a minute. These, These widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. Now, there are some that would say, well, who cares? Um, they, they ought to go out and work or something of that nature. But the reality is there was a significant need there. And, and the need was a legitimate need and something needed to be done. There was compassion. These seven men that were involved in ministry had compassion for these individuals who had these needs. Do we have compassion? Are we serving with compassion? I mean, look around you. I'm not just talking about people who are poor, but I'm talking about others who have needs. Because it's not just a matter of material needs. There are physical needs, medical needs. There are emotional needs. There are spiritual needs. There, there are a lot of needs around us. All of us have needs to some extent ourselves. But as we look around, there are a lot of people that are going through a difficult time. How many of us have compassion for those who are going through a difficult time? We need to, number one, serve with compassion. But number two... We also need to serve with unity. Notice that the, there was some murmuring going on. Uh, there was a complaint that was taking place because needs weren't being met. The reality is what we need in the church is, is unity. It's glorifying to God when we are unified. In fact, in John chapter 17, one of the main things that Jesus prayed in his high priestly prayer was that we might have unity as brothers and sisters in Christ. So we need to serve with unity. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 13, a a portion of Scripture that I'm going to go ahead and turn to now and look at, Ephesians 4, 13, it talks about unity. Let me start with verse number 11. He gave himself, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. In other words, these pastors and teachers and evangelists and so on have the responsibility of equipping the saints, that's you and me, to do the work of the ministry. In the past, quite often, the the thought of some churches was, we hire the pastor, he's supposed to do the work. But we we recognize now more churches do that it's biblical for the pastor and teacher to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. All of us need to be doing the work. And the result is when we do that, that as a church we grow in maturity. Till we all come, verse number 13, to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. We're not going to be what we ought to be unless we are all serving. And we are not going to be what we ought to be unless there is unity. Have you ever been a a part of a church that had disunity, significant disunity? It's not a fun scenario. I mean, we're told in God's Word that we're supposed to love one another, right? And yet so often there in churches people that don't show love to one another. We need to make sure that we are taking care of that love part. Love is patient. Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it is not rude, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. That's the attitude that we ought to have to one another. And when we have that attitude of love, 
then there is going to be a tendency to have unity as well. In Philippians chapter 4, Paul is talking to a couple of ladies in the church. He says this, I implore Yodia and I implore Sintichi to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Apparently, these fellow workers, Yodia and Sintichi, they just couldn't get along. There was not unity with them. And we need to serve God with unity. And if we do, there won't be the complaints. We'll be meeting needs. We'll be loving one another. So we serve with compassion. We serve with unity. We also serve with character. Look at verse number 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit, they were spiritual men, and wisdom, full of wisdom, they were wise men, whom we may appoint over this business. They had a good reputation. They were controlled by the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. And, and they also were wise individuals. Now, when we think about deacons in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 8 through 13, there are some of the qualifications of a deacon. It says, likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double-tongued, not given to much wine, not greedy for money, holding the mystery of the faith with a pure conscience. But let these also first be tested, then let them serve as a deacon, being found blameless. Likewise, their wives must be reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful in all things. Let deacons be the husbands of one wife, ruling their children in their own house as well. For those who have served well as deacons obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. These are the qualifications for a deacon. Now the tendency is to look at that and say, well, if I'm going to be a deacon, I've got to be perfect. But we're not talking about perfection. I don't know anybody that is perfect that has their act together totally except for one gentleman in the, in the, uh, the balcony that, that says he does. <clears throat> I think he was kidding. The, uh, the reality is none of us are perfection. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But we need to be becoming more spiritual. We need to have a good reputation. We need to be living for God. We need to have good character if we're going to be serving as a deacon and if we're going to be serving as members of a church. We need to have good character. So it's important to serve with character. It's also important to serve with humility. The word deacon means servant. Uh, there, are, there are times in churches where the deacons, uh, they exercise a lot of power. They make all the decisions. That's not the way the Bible did it. The way the Bible did it is the deacons were servants. And, and uh, uh, someone who is a deacon has humility. But it, isn't it true that all of us need to exercise humility? We've talked about that before. That we're all inadequate and we need to be trusting God to work in and through us. In fact... In, in Romans chapter 12, a portion of scripture that, that we've already looked at, Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3, it says, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. <clears throat> in other words, we need to not 
be proud. We need to be humble. We need to think soberly. We need to recognize that anything we have, God has given it to us, and therefore we don't need to be proud about it. There's some people in this church with some really good voices. Some of us don't have that, that, uh, those good voices. Should the people that have good voices be proud? Well, they were given what they have. Others of us have other gifts. We shouldn't be proud of our gifts. We should be humble, recognizing that without God, we can't handle anything. In fact, Jesus said in John 15, 5, without me, you can do nothing. So it's important to serve with humility. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 to 31, talks about the fact that not many wise, not many noble, not many strong are called. God has called the weak in order to make a difference so that he gets the glory <clears throat> rather than us getting the glory. We should serve with compassion, with unity, with character, with humility, with faith. And when we think about serving with faith, there are two things we need to keep in mind. Number one, as we serve faithfully, there are rewards. Even Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. God rewards us. That's part of our trusting him is to reward us as we diligently seek him, as we seek to serve him. 1 Corinthians 15 and 58 says, Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. When we serve him, it is profitable. It is rewarding. One other verse is Matthew chapter 10, verse number 42, where Jesus said, whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall no, by no means lose his reward. Sometimes we look at our service and we think, well, I'm, I'm just not doing too much. Well, giving a cup of cold water, can we do that? If we do that in the name of a disciple, we will not lose our reward we need to make sure that we are serving him and and our attitude needs to be that of what jesus said in acts 20 35 it is more blessed to give than to receive so there are rewards as we think about faith but there are also results <clears throat> here in, in in chapter six and verse number seven of acts it indicates the word of God spread. The number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. A great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. In other words, people were being saved. People were growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. Even hard-to-reach individuals were being reached as they, saved, as they served faithfully. So as we serve with faith, we are rewarded and we see results. One more challenge, one more principle we also need to serve with diligence. Uh, verse number four says, we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. They were serious about it, the disciples were. And I believe the seven that were serving were serious as well. They were serving diligently. They were serving well. And in fact, in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 8, it, it talks about that. 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, verses 8 through 13. Verse number 13 says, those who have served well as deacons, obtain for themselves a good standing and great boldness in the faith which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, there's a good reputation, there's good standing before God and man as we serve well. 
And there's great boldness in the faith. So we need to make sure that we serve with diligence, that we serve well. With an eternal perspective, recognizing that we're not just serving for the here and now. We're laying up for ourselves treasures in heaven when we serve God. We will not lose our reward when we, when we serve him faithfully. There's a saying that many of you have heard. Anything worth doing is worth doing well. Wouldn't you agree with that? That we need to serve diligently. Well, as we look at Acts chapter 6, it talks about service. And God's blessed in a special way when different people served and prioritized and, and, and did what they were delegated to, to do. And we need to make sure that we as a church are serving God faithfully. That we are serving with compassion, with unity, with character, with humility, with faith, with diligence. But we need to remember that it's not I, but Christ who lives in me. Without him, we can do nothing, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We, we basically say, God, I can't do it, but I know you're able to do far above all that I can ask or think according to the power that works in me. I'm trusting you to work, but as I trust you, I know that faith without works is dead, and I am going to faithfully serve. I started off with a verse in Galatians, Galatians 5.13, that says, Through love serve one another and I guess what I want to to do is to end up with a question the question is will you serve if you're not involved in service will you become involved and what I'd like to do is I would like to invite you to take one of the connect cards in front of you if you're watching via internet there is a response place right by the sermon on our website and I would love for you just to put those three words I will serve now you might have an idea of where you want to serve you might want to serve in the nursery. We always need help there because as these young families bring in kids, it makes all the difference in the world. We have a greeter team. Some of you might want to serve on the greeter team. But if you serve on the greeter team, you need to know how to smile. We don't want you going up to somebody and say, Hi, it's good to have you here at Catawba Baptist Church today. We want you to, to have a good attitude. And There's no guarantee if you put down an area that you'll be able to serve in that area. But I guarantee you this that God does want us to serve. And he has a fit for each and every one of us that are willing to serve. Know Jesus Christ as Savior, and we want to live for him. So I would encourage you to put down the words, I will serve on a Connect card or Internet, or just text me or send me an email, ron at catabalive.com, and just indicate that you want to serve. And if you want to, put down an area that you would like to serve. I really believe that as we, as individuals at Catawba Baptist Church, as we make sure we know Jesus Christ as Savior, that we're living for God and that we're seeking to serve Him, there's no telling what God can do in and through us. I sure do appreciate all the people that are serving, those who are serving this week as we get together tomorrow night for volunteer training and then on Friday night we have the back-to-school bash a lot of people in this church are involved in that. And if you haven't signed up yet, we'd love for you to do that because it's an opportunity to make a difference in the lives of others. For some, an eternal difference because they trust Jesus Christ as Savior. I would encourage you to make sure that you are willing to serve. We're going to have the Lord's Supper in just a minute. As we partake in the Lord's Supper, we practice what is called open communion. That means you don't have to be a member of Catawba Baptist Church, but you do need to be saved. You, ha you need to have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, 
And number two, you need to be committed to him and want to live for him. And so we encourage you to participate in the Lord's Supper with us. After the prayer, we're going to have a song of invitation. And um, as they're coming up to sing, I'm just going to ask if you don't have the elements, if you don't have the bread and the uh, cup, um, then, then we're gonna, some of the, the deacons are going to pass that out. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we think about what you've done for us, we ought to want to serve you. We ought to want to live our lives for you. We recognize we can't do it in our own strength. We recognize that without you, we can't do anything. We can't please you. We can't serve you well. But we know that you are able. And we just pray that you will change us and use us so that we might be what you want us to be and do what you want us to do so that we might serve you fruitfully and effectively for your honor and for your glory. And Lord, as we are thinking about deacons, as we're thinking about other people being involved in in service and leadership here in the church, we just pray that you will help us to to say yes if, if we feel like that's what God wants us to do, that you'll help us to be willing to be diligent in service for your honor and for your glory. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.